everyone. Welcome to episode 134, Getting Them to Listen with Sports. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to listen. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, so I love coming up with catchy titles. So you're kind of like, hmm, I want to tell you what you're going to get from every episode and also keep you guessing a little bit because how can you have better behavior with sports? Now, a lot of you will think, well, once they're in sports, that that's what I'm talking about, but that's actually not what I'm talking about. They don't even have to be in sports for this to work. So both of my kids are really into sports and I love sports and David loves sports. So I love coming up with analogies that are kind of on their terms. So whatever your kids are into, whether it's Dora or it's sports or it's the band or it's underwater basket weaving, whatever it is, pretend like you're on Jeopardy and only categories are on what they're interested in and that you know that you could answer most of the answers in that area of love because it could be Legos, it could be books, it could be journals, it could be trees, whatever it is. Pretend like you're on Jeopardy and become an expert in that area because this is how you're going to crack their code. They're already telling you naturally what they're drawn towards. So you don't have to ask them, you don't have to tell them, but this is how you can bond and connect with them to kind of join them in their world. And also it's a win-win because it brings out the kid in you in the meantime. Because a lot of times we want our kids to want to do all the things. We want them to want to study. We want them to have a clean room and want to clean their room. We want them to want to take a shower. We want all those things and we want them to join our world. But how often do we join their world? It's more about them growing up versus us kind of growing down and becoming a kid too and learning all the things and kind of reparenting ourselves through our child's eyes and becoming the parent that we needed when we were younger for our child based on their age, based on their stage, based on their interests, based on their loves. They're completely different souls from you. So they're going to have completely different interests and it could be video games and you may not like video games, but just pretend you're on Jeopardy and you know everything there is about video games that they're interested in. We always say we want our kids to listen, to listen, to listen, to listen, to listen. And why aren't they getting out the door? And they never listen and they never listen. And then I had the eureka moment. I'm like, wait a minute. I want that same thing too. But how often am I listening to the kids? How often am I interested in things that they're interested in? Because sometimes Grady will tell me stories about like Goosebumps or about Mario and the different characters. And I love Mario. But when he goes on and on about the different characters, sometimes I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how often am I listening to things that interest them? Because it's a two-way street. If I want them to be interested and listen to I tell them to go take a shower, then I have to kind of join them in their world too and model that for them. We just always have to check ourselves. You ever heard that saying? Check yourself, don't wreck yourself. We always want to check ourselves without wrecking ourselves. And how often are we listening to their, and sometimes they're long and drawn out stories and they go on and on and on. And it might be about Pokemon that you don't understand. But just like we think they go on and on, they think that we go on and on and on. So whatever we're ever accusing our kids of doing, I can guarantee on a stack of Bibles that we are doing the same thing. 
And this is not something to use as evidence to beat ourselves up. It's something to use as evidence of how to evolve and grow and connect more with them because that's what we really want. We want them to come to us with all the things, but if they're not coming to us with the little things or they don't feel open with the little things, then the big things, it's definitely not gonna happen. Kids can tell when we're tuning them out, just like we can tell when our kids are tuning us out. Sometimes our lectures get a little long and drawn out and we're like Charlie Brown's teachers, but we do the same thing to them when their stories are long and drawn out and they become Charlie Brown's teacher. Womp, 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 womp. So something that really works with kids of all ages is becoming interested and becoming an expert in things that they're excited about, that they're naturally drawn towards, that they're talking about. What do they do during their free time? You want to study them almost like they're zoo animals, cute little furry zoo animals. Not like there's something wrong with them, but like, huh, that's what they're into. And it's going to change and evolve and grow. Sports is one thing that's real big in our house. And something we've been doing is something called reverse golf. Some of you do this with your own kids because we work together and it's pretty fun to see and it kind of goes back to the Kodak moments and it's a fun way to kind of bond and connect with your kids and teach them about the Kodak moments without the lectures and without the things because kids learn through games, they learn through songs, they learn from being childlike, not childish, but childlike. So reverse golf, I don't know if you know the rules of golf, but just think about like mini golf. Your goal is to get it in the hole, let's say by three putts. So if you get it in with three putts, then that's par. Because so par is three. If you get it in two, then that's called a birdie. These are all things I knew, but I'm kind of learning all over again because Grady's like obsessed with golf. So a birdie is one under is another way of saying it. And then if you get a hole in one and it's par three, then obviously it's a hole in one, but it's also considered an eagle. Okay, I'm just keeping the numbers easy. Sometimes there's par fives, but those are more on the actual golf course. I'm just using mini golf as an example. So then one over par would be a bogey. Two over par would be a double bogey. Three over par would be a triple bogey. And par is three in this example. But you can have a par five, et cetera, et cetera. So it all just depends on what the par is, which you walk up to the hole and they tell you what the par is. And then your goal is to get below that or to get par. With every sport, there's always, always, always a way to get points and a way to get penalties. So the way that we play reverse golf is, now I went through this with Lily because she's into volleyball. This is just something Grady and I are doing, having fun doing it, and I'm doing it, he's doing it, we're doing it together. So we both wake up and we're shooting for par three. And par three means we're looking for three things, three different compliments, three different specific compliments used throughout the day. Now you can start with par five. You can make up whatever rules you want. But we're calling it reverse golf because every time we throw a compliment out there, it's the reverse of golf. Where if I say, I like how hard you worked on that project, you must be so proud of yourself, then I have one point on the card. So I'll say, I love how you worked on that so hard, you must be so proud of yourself, looks like I got a double bogey. Then later on, you're so nice to your friends, you must be so proud of yourself, then, I'm, then I just have a bogey. Then three gets to par, and then, so you can see how this can be fun, light and fluffy, it's done on the go, there's no scorecards, there's no paper and pencil, and then he's doing the same thing. And what we're doing is we're just creating consciousness around focusing on what we're doing right versus what we're doing wrong. Because the brain will go to what we're doing wrong, always. And I don't want you to think that you have to get rid of the junk thoughts or the negative thinking. Because a lot of times we'll have junk thoughts and then we'll be mad at ourselves for having the junk thoughts. We'll be mad about being mad 
will be negative about being negative. Oh, there I go again. I'm such a loser, calling myself a loser. Do you see how that's like double dipping on the negativity? So just being aware of it and allowing equal airtime for the other half and the other part of 50-50 is all that we're looking for. But you're never gonna eliminate and be all positive or all negative. The brain likes black and white thinking. It likes to go to all positive or all negative. And then when we show an ounce of negative when we're trying to be positive, it's like, yep, throw the baby out the bathwater. I knew I couldn't do it. I'm such a loser. Or whatever your lyrics are behind the song. It's different for everybody. Mine usually goes to, you're such a loser. <laughs> Isn't that nice? So beautiful to say out loud. It's kind of like when you have a song caught in your head and that song keeps replaying. You're like, oh, I can't get that song out of my head. That's the same thing with our thinking. It's just thoughts that are repeating ourselves over and over and over. And we don't even know that we're doing it until we are aware of it. And then we get to be more conscious about our thoughts versus always beating ourselves up or always being too hot to trot. But there's most people that are listening to this podcast are not walking around like narcissists thinking I'm too hot to trot. I'm too cool for school. Look at me. That's usually not a problem with the parents who want to do really well. They're trying hard. They're listening to the podcast. They're reading the books. They're showing up for their kids in a big way. I promise if you care about being a good parent, then that means you're already a good parent. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing inherently wrong with you or your kids. That's really good news. It's just the way in which we're connecting with them could use some tweaking. And they're just a giant mirror for us. So we use this as data, not evidence that we're a loser. Some other sports, then that's with golf, because Grady's into golf, so we just kind of picked it up. But I asked you all on Facebook, what are some sports that your kids are into? So the top four sports were soccer, football, baseball, and basketball. So with soccer, soccer is my game. I mean, I wish someone in my family played soccer so I could play this along with them. But the way to get points in soccer is to get goals. So your terminology would be more like, oh, I got a goal. I just threw out a compliment. Go me. Uh-huh. And you're kind of like doing it in a light and fluffy way. Not like, oh, I just made a compliment. Now I get one goal. You want to meet your kids where they are. And so their brains, especially if they're real little, think about how they were during the holidays with the elves and Mench on the Bench and Santa and how little their brains were and how undeveloped and how cute and adorable they were. That's also what gets them in trouble, which is super ironic for them. They're like, here you love my mythical imaginary mind, but then you also, I get in trouble for having a mythical imaginary mind where I can't feel my feelings yet. I don't know all the things, but you're expecting me to know all the things. It's hard to be my age. So the goal could be with soccer to get a hat trick for the day. And then you could say something like, oh, that looks like a penalty on the play. I need a free kick if they're doing something they shouldn't be doing instead of always being like Charlie Brown's teacher. Because when you turn it into a game, then everything feels lighter and everything feels fluffier and everything's NBD, but everything's a big deal. You can teach it through the games, through what they're already interested in. So they're invested versus just hearing Charlie Brown's teacher. With football, it takes 10 yards to get a first down. So you could be talking in yards. You could have a flag on the play when they're doing something they shouldn't be doing or when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. The other day I gave Grady a backhanded compliment. I was like, "Ooh, I got a penalty stroke for that one. He spelled a word that was really hard when we're doing his spelling words and he spelled it the first time. I think it was like apostrophe or something and he hadn't even studied it. I was like, geez, Grady, I wasn't expecting you to get that. He's like, well, that's not very nice. I'm like, that's true. That's what we call a backhanded compliment. I was actually trying to say, I'm impressed you got that word, but instead it came out as biting and sarcastic. So I have a penalty stroke. Jeez, mama, you gotta straighten up your act. So the more that we can show them that it's okay to flub up and be a B minus parent, then it takes the pressure off of their shoulders. 
When they're under this pressure cooker of being perfect or following all the rules and doing all the things, that's usually the kids who are acting out the most because they can't handle that pressure. So just being aware of it and being more human with them allows them to be more human with you. And it becomes more connecting and it becomes a lot more fun that nobody has to be perfect. And this is all just flossom. We're all flawed and we're all awesome. With baseball, you could have hits for compliments and then the goal is to get a home run. That would be four compliments. Now, we don't do them back to back to back to back. Kind of just sprinkle them throughout. The whole purpose of this is to create consciousness around it and doing it with a creative way versus just like, okay, today we're going to mark off on a box and we're going to look for Kodak moments and let's go have fun, kids. We're very robotic. We're very much on autopilot only because we have the weight of the world on our shoulders and we're just trying to pay the bills and get to work and manage all the things. But our kids don't know that. So they're teaching us to be more childlike and to kind of remember who we used to be because we used to be that little child. And of course, with baseball, you can use strikes and balls and using their terminology. With basketball, you could say our goal is today get 10 points because you're counting by twos. If they're younger, that's a great way to teach math. And then if it's an ultra awesome compliment, then it could be a three-pointer. And you are in charge of your own scorecard, so to speak. Puts the onus back on us to look for the good that we're doing, to find the good in what they're doing, and it becomes this beautiful symbiotic dance together. And then with basketball, you can be super fun of like the different fouls that you can have, like double dribble, traveling, is carrying a thing. I think that's a thing in volleyball. So with Lily, it was volleyball, bump set spike. She's 13, not really into the games. I can still play along and she can roll her eyes and I'm still getting through. But even if I just keep score and I don't even tell her about it, I'm still conscious about it. So getting them to become a better listener, the number one way is to catch them listening and catch them doing what you want them to do. And then reinforcing that and having almost like a potty party, like when you used to teach them about potty training. I remember David saying when I was doing the Cheerios in the toilet, he's like, why don't we just teach him to go to the bathroom? Why does everything have to be like with Cheerios and aiming? He goes, there's not going to be Cheerios in the office when he grows up. And what he was saying is, why are we not teaching him how to be an adult versus teaching him how to be a kid? I said, David, I promise on a stack of Bibles when he's in the office at XYZ Company, I promise he's not going to want Cheerios in the toilet. We're meeting him where he is versus where we are. And he's like, oh, I get it. Kind of like when my sister said that my daughter will not go to, I was freaking out about potty training. I'm like, Jennifer, it's literally never going to happen. And she's like, chill out, girlfriend. I can promise you she's not going to go to kindergarten wetting her pants. And I was like, oh, oh, so I just have to like enjoy the process, the joys in the journey, the prize in the process. She's like, yeah, isn't this what you teach? I'm like, oh, yeah. So we're always a teacher. We're always a student. There's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with our kids. We're going to allow the junk thoughts. We're going to create consciousness around it and just be nicer to ourselves. And then in turn, when we're nicer to ourselves, we're going to be nicer to our kids. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too each and every day. Thanks for listening.